Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday Rosh Chodesh ER. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Sing the crazy 
virgin for oh so long. Wow, what kind of effects you got there? <laughs> When will we reach a city walls? Well, I raise up my eyes to the heavens above. Dear Lord, we will never despair. Well, if I could only tell you just how beautiful it was. Holy mountain with the light of all ages. Stone walls dance a flaming sets of blazing skies. As if the heavens came down to great rejoicing. Well, if I could only tell you just how beautiful it is. Like a mountain of of all ages, stone walls dance a flame and sets ablaze the evening skies, as if the heavens came down in great rejoicing. Open up, mama, open up, mama, open up all your gates, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, let me in. Open up all your gates, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. City streets to see what could be found there. Whether righteous of old, contemplating his name, drawing light from his highest abode. Well, if I could only tell you just how awesome it was, like an orchard of trees and sweet fruits, where the word of holiness was heard all around, and the song of his unity abounds. Well, if I could only tell you just how awesome it was, like an orchard of trees and sweet fruits, where the word of holiness was heard all around, and the song of His unity abounds. Open up, mama, mama, mama. Open up, oh, 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 oh. Open up all your gates, your roads, your lives, your life. Open up, mama, mama. 
J.M. in the A.M. Pretty amazing, huh? Uh, <laughs> we've been so focused on diaspora and, of course, for good reason. Because uh, Avram Rosenblum is the centerpiece of our live musical extravaganza five-hour J.M. in the A.M. on Lagba Omer morning. So we are so focused on diaspora. I figured let's take a great diaspora song off the back wall, which probably won't make it into the song set, into the list for uh, April 30th, Lagba Omer. And let's play it. And there it is. It's called The Gate of Return. It is probably one of the most underrated diaspora selections in history. Uh, the Gate of Return here at JM in the AM. Uri Davidi had Anashma. Lo Yavod was Yaakov Shweki. Sandy with Chazak. Open up the gates. That was Chaim David in our studio 11 years ago. Chizuk Nigun by Yehuda Green. Dove Hendler had Yehia Chodesh. And of course, Regesh. Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's a Tuesday on this 13th of April, the 1st of ER. Today is Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh ER Day 2. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, including Yalaviyavo, Half Halel, Special Torah Reading, Musaf Bar Chinafshi, whatever your custom calls for on a Rosh Chodesh morning. Today is day number 16 in the counting of the Omer, day number 16, two weeks and two days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Mazal Tov to those who completed Mesecha Shkalim in the study of Daf Yomi, one page per day Talmud study, uh, or one folio, I should say, per day. And Hatzlacha um, Rabbah to all those who are beginning Mesechet Yoma, uh, which starts today in Daf Yomi. So again, a Mazal Tov to those who completed Shkalim. And a Hatzlacha uh, Rabbah, good luck to those who are beginning Yoma at some point uh, today. 46 degrees with 82% humidity, winds in north at 3 miles per hour. Mix of sun and clouds with a high of 64, not bad. Then tonight, partly cloudy, low 49. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy and a high of 68 degrees. I like those numbers. You shall lie right now at 61. We're at 46 in New York City as we say good morning at JM and the AM at 20 minutes before 7 o'clock. Well, yesterday, for good reason, we uh, expressed our joy and excitement regarding the uh, April 30th Lagba Omer event. It is going to be pretty remarkable, frankly. (laughs) But I'm going to try to temper my enthusiasm because we have a while before we get there. We have, uh, let's see, uh, over two weeks before we actually get to the event. So we'll talk more about it as we get closer. Uh, For us, one of the most significant aspects of the event Lagba Omer is that it's brought to you by Mizrahi our friends at the RZA, Religious Zionists of America. And uh, we'll speak to Ari Rockoff this Thursday on Yom Ma'ut, fittingly enough. And there are a lot of people, including us, at the Mizrahi of the Lower East Side who are going to be incorporating Mizrahi speakers into our Yom Ma'ut observances and celebrations coming up tomorrow night and Thursday. So a big thank you to Mizrahi for that. Mizrahi.org slash Israel360. That's where you can get information about that and see a whole bunch of flyers about different events happening around this country and around the world. Um, and tonight, of course, is Yom HaZikaron. Mayor Weingarten will join me tomorrow for Israel Memorial Day. Tomorrow night is Yom HaTzmut. Mayor Weingarten will join me Thursday morning for the 73rd birthday of the State of Israel. But, but here is the thing I want to mention, and I'm sure I'll mention it uh, more than once this morning. And that is that um, 
fittingly enough, and many of you are familiar with my uh, observation regarding World Mizrahi, um, they have become, over the last few years, an organization that went from a, um, a presence with some level of effectiveness to an absolute major power. And uh, under the direction of Ari Rockoff, the same thing is happening here in the U.S. with RZA and Mizrahi, and uh, not to minimize the role of those who, uh, you know, the lay, lay leaders who uh, a- a- and professionals who preceded him, because this has been a process, and they are being led in a really positive direction. So what's happened is, and again, we'll talk more about this on Thursday, what's happened is a... Um, a very lonely diaspora community has been desperate to get back to Israel. I don't know how you feel, uh, although I do get the feeling, even among those who don't travel to Israel often or don't travel to Israel at all, I do get the feeling from those members of our audience that they too, because of the frequency with which we travel and broadcast from Israel, uh, I think they're also missing it. We are missing that connection to the Holy Land. And it's unprecedented in the last 73 years to be this isolated from the Holy Land. And in a lot of ways, it's unprecedented for a lot longer than that. So you know what we've been speaking about on a regular basis here uh, for so long, uh, certainly for the last year, certainly since the height of COVID back in April of 2020. When can we return to Israel? Students, thank God, have returned. Relatives, to some degree, have returned. But when can we, when can the average guy, when can the average gal get to Israel? When can the average man and woman get to Israel? And um, it's been a great concern. And we do have a trip scheduled, as I've alluded to, for the end of May. And we're hoping it works out that both on the American end and the Israeli end, uh, we will have no problem making the trip and uh, and doing our broadcasts from there. But with this whole long introduction, and we'll talk more about this on Thursday, this whole long introduction, leave it to the RZA Mizrahi to not only plan the reunite, reconnect, and celebrate mission to Israel that they are calling the journey home, but rumor has it And we will confirm this on Thursday with Ari Rockoff. Rumor has it that this trip is already sold out. So not only is RZA Mizrahi leading the American Jewish community back to Israel with the first mission we know of. We don't know of any other mission, frankly. That's happening in the month of May. But in addition to that, the rumor around town is that it's already sold out, which would be unbelievable. I was going to say something else, but it would be unbelievable. So Wednesday, May 26th, RZA Mizrahi journeys home, leading the way back to Eretz Yisrael. Uh, to learn about this trip or future RZA Mizrahi journey home missions, go to rza.org slash journey home, rza.org slash journey home. It's funny. I've been to a lot of places in Israel, and I've had the opportunity to lead tours and be part of tours, etc. I was saying to myself, you know, for the average person that goes just to visit, to see relatives, etc., this would be the ideal time to get back into the tourist scene. This would be the ideal time to support the bus drivers, the tour guides, and to reconnect by, you know, actually getting back to the real land, not just, you know, going out to a restaurant with our relatives. 
So, and that might be, by the way, one of the reasons that this trip's already sold out, because f- people who normally would not spend their time on a quote-unquote tour feel that it's time to reconnect to the land. There's actually a press release that was sent out um, which discusses some of this. Uh, Religious Zionists of America Mizrahi wants a planned delegation to Israel uh, to send powerful message to the community. Agree with that. It certainly has if they sold that already. First delegation of American Jewish leaders emphasizes Israel should be priority destination for Jewish travel post-pandemic. Boy, how many times have we been on the air for the last 35 years telling people, you know, you could travel wherever you want in this world, but, you know, don't forget Israel as a destination. It's so vital, so important for the Israeli economy, for the spirit of the Jewish people, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's one of the messages that uh, that's being transmitted with this trip. Ari Rockoff, who is the um, uh, vice executive vice president of the RZA, said, and I quote, as more Americans are getting vaccinated and contemplating travel, we wanted to send a strong message to the Jewish community that instead of visiting Dubai, the Caribbean, or some other exotic place, your priority should be to get back to Israel. The startup nation has now also become the vaccination nation as Israel relaxes its travel restrictions. We want it to be the first organized trip back home. Kol Hakavod. All I could say to RZA, American Mizrahi, Ari Rakoff, his staff, and the lay leaders, Kol Hakavod. Kol Hakavod. You announced this trip. I could have predicted that nobody would sign up. After all, it's next month and we're still in the whole media frenzy about COVID, aside from whatever realities are about COVID. And look what has happened. So, again, we'll get confirmation about all this Thursday, Yom Atzimut, and we speak to Ari Rakov, but. This is quite a significant development, in my opinion. And by the way, big thank you again to Mizrahi. It's amazing working with them, and they are the sponsor of our big Lagba Omer celebration. They are certainly um, setting their sights on this time of year between the Yom HaZikaron, Yom Atzma'ut, Yom Yerushalayim, Lagba Omer now. They are certainly at the mission, the mission that leaves May 26th. They have certainly set themselves apart in a very, very positive way. More coming up Tuesday morning, Rosh Chodesh morning at JM in the AM.
Tuesday morning with Ari Goldwagon at Lokide. It's brand new acapella soul eight. Hine Kel done by Ruvain Garber. Second day of Rosh Chodesh ER. 16th day in the counting of the Omer. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Told you about the uh, RZA. We'll check in with Ari Rockoff this Thursday. Yom HaTzma'ud here at JM in the AM. Don't forget tomorrow's Yom Yushalayim. Yom HaTzma'ud is coming up on the Thursday. Mayor Weingarten will join me both days and we'll have Appropriate programming and honestly shows you're not going to want to miss. Simple as that. Shows you're not going to want to miss. Yom HaZikaron and Yom Yerushalayim. Our friends at the Margaret Teets Nursing and Rehab Center have announced the evening of inspiration in memory of Rabbi Fabian Schoenfeld. It's happening April the 27th, starting at 7 p.m. That's a Tuesday night, starting at 7 p.m. It's actually two weeks from tonight. Rabbi Noach Isaac Elbaum, Rabbi Eitan Feiner, Rabbi Yoel Schoenfeld, Rabbi Chaim Schwartz, Rabbi Zalvel Perlman, who's coordinator of Jewish Affairs at Margaret Teets, will moderate the event. It's going to be online at margaretteets.org. We'll give you more information as we get closer, but uh, save the date. I mentioned yesterday that Rabbi Schoenfeld was um, somebody who I, I can't even begin to describe the type of Jewish leader he was how responsible a Jewish leader, how long time a Jewish leader, how at the same time of being a leader of the global Jewish community built an amazing congregation 
Just a fantastic story, honestly. And uh, and Yashikach to the Margaret Teets Rehab Center for doing the tribute. Anyway, we'll talk more about it as we get closer right here at JM in the AM. Want to wish a mazel tov to Sachi Lowy. I hope I have that pronounced properly. Um, unless it's Tzachi. could be Tzachi Lowy. Of Clifton, New Jersey on his bar mitzvah this week. Mazel tov Tzachi from all of us here at JM the AM. Good wishes to his parents, Yoshua and Jennifer Lowy of Clifton, and to their parents, Norman and Barbara Gilden down in Boynton Beach, Florida, formerly of Teaneck, New Jersey, and Harvey and Karen Lowy in Fort Lee. Congratulations to Donnie, Shane D. Gavi, all the uh, proud siblings, as well as all the uncles, aunts, and extended family members from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um... Mazaltov. Uh, we're trying to get people jobs. Don't forget that. Uh, send us your resume if you need a job. Resume at NahumSiegel.com. Anything in the Jewish not-for-profit realm, we will uh, pass on to the Joel Paul group. Otherwise, we'll try our best to set you up with a potential employer. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemSegal.com and the AlchemSegal Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Mazal tov to those who finished Shkalim in Nadaf Yomi, and Hatzlachara to those who are starting Meseches Yoma. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Tuesday follows next. We say Boker Tov and Rosh Chodesh Tov from JM in the AM. Galitzal, Mirushalayim, Asha Ashtayim, Shalom Rav, Baulpan, Rani Avnai, Ima Shekorei Akshav. ערב יום הזיכרון לחללי מערכות ישראל ופעולות האיבה, תבשין פ"א. מוסיף להיות אנוש עם סכנה קריטית לחייו, מצבו של איציק סעדיאן, נכה צה"ל שהצית אמש את עצמו. לאה, אחותו של איציק, זעקה לפני זמן קצר ואמרה, הוא תמיד נלחם למען החלשים, וזה גם מה שהוא עשה עכשיו. הוא ילד מושלם, ילד טוב, ילד שמלא בנתינה. הוא תמיד נלחם למען חלשים. זה מה שהוא עשה עכשיו. זה לא רק למענו, אותם אנשים <laughs> שהכי היה איתם, וביקש מהם את העזרה. אל תסגרו את הדלת, אל תעשו את זה יותר. ומנכ"ל משרד הביטחון אמיר אשל הגיב אצל אמיר איבגי למקרה הטרגי. ולטענות כי אגף השיקום לא מבצע את עבודתו מול הלומי הקרב. אין מילים לתאר את uh, עוצמת האירוע. מאותו רגע שזה קרה, אנחנו עוסקים בזה. משרד הביטחון מלווה את המשפחה באופן צמוד, ואנחנו מתפללים לשלומו של איציק. מטופל, נכה שלנו, הוא אירוע באחריותנו, ואני כמנכ"ל המשרד הזה אחראי. האש שאיציק הצית היא מטלטלת, היא זעקה, שאומרת, חייבים לשנות את המציאות. כל מי שפונה בנושא הלומי קרב, אנחנו קודם כל לא שואלים שאלות, אנחנו מתחילים לטפל בו. לפני ההכרה בכלל. הערב בשמונה תישמע צפירה בדקה שתפתח רשמית את אירועי יום הזיכרון. מחר ב-11 לפני הצהריים תישמע צפירה נוספת בת שתי דקות לזכר הנופלים. 43 חללים נוספו למניין הנופלים מיום הזיכרון בשנה שעברה. 69 נכים שנפטרו כתוצאה מנכותם הוכרו השנה כחללי מערכות ישראל. משרד הבריאות ומשרד התיירות עדכנו כי החל מ-23 במאי תיירים מחוסנים. יוכלו להיכנס לישראל, זאת בהתאם למכסה שתיקבע. כתבתנו עינב קרנר מוסרת שהתיירים יידרשו לבדיקת קורונה לפני העלייה למטוס, לבדיקה נוספת עם נחיתתם ולבדיקה סרולוגית להוכחת החיסון או ההחלמה. 
חשד לאונס בגבעתיים, תושב העיר בשנות ה-30 לחייו, נעצר בחשד שאנס אישה בת גילו. על פי החשד, הגבר פגש באישה, לקח אותה לאזור צדדי ושם פגע בה. כתבנו בן נצר מעדכן כי הוא יובא בשעות הקרובות לדיון בהארכת מעצרו. אסון התביעה בנחל פרת, הרב נחמן אדרי, ראש ישיבת חוכמה ודעת בירושלים, נעצר בחשד לגרימת מוות ברשלנות ולשיבוש הליכי משפט. אדרי הוא ראש הישיבה של הנער שמשון הלר, זיכרונו לברכה, בן 16, שטבע למוות בנחל לפני כשבוע. על פי החשד, אדרי נמלט מן הזירה מיד לאחר האירוע, ואף ניסה לתאם עדויות עם מחנכו של הנער. כתבנו ביהודה ושומרון שחר גליק מוסר שהרב אדרי הוא החשוד השלישי בפרשה, נוסף על מחנך הכיתה ומדריך הטיולים, ומעצרו הוארך היום בשישה ימים. מזג האוויר, עלייה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. Feel 
J.M. in the A.M. Tuesday morning on this Rosh Chodesh E.R. on a, um, a J.M. in the A.M. broadcast. 16th day in the counting of the Omer. 16th day in the counting of the Omer. Two weeks and two days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Mazal Tov to those who've completed Mesechah Shkalim in the study of Daf Yomi. One folio per day of Talmud. Hatzlacharabah to those uh, likely from the same group who are starting Maseches Yoma today. Hatzlacharabah, good luck. Reminder tonight and therefore tomorrow morning here at JM and the AM, our Yom Hazikaron Israel Memorial Day special. Israel Memorial Day begins tonight. Tomorrow night, Yom Ha'atzma'ut. Join us Thursday for Israel's 73rd birthday. Mayor Weingarten will join me both mornings here at JM and the AM. It's one of the best weeks of the year. Spread the word. Uh, if you want to feel connected to the Holy Land, and as we said earlier when we spoke about the Mizrahi mission, if there's one thing people in diaspora have in common over the last year, it's that we feel much more disconnected from the Holy Land than usual. And that goes even for those, in my opinion, even for those who don't travel regularly to Israel, even for those who haven't been there in 20 years. How many people in our audience feel connected to the land when we travel or when people in their synagogue travel or their rabbi travels? Or, they, or people bring back, you know, uh, mementos or memories from a trip to Israel. And all that is now missing. Uh, so tune in for Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmot, and hopefully you'll feel a little bit more connected to the Holy Land. A gentleman who's always connected to the Holy Land because he's based in the holy city of Jerusalem, and he happens to be in the United States now for a few days, but he'll be heading back to Jerusalem soon, is Rabbi Hanoch Teller, who has... Uh, Big news in his audio world. Usually usually with Rabbi Teller, we have big news in his literary world and big news in his video world, his visual world. Today we have uh, an additional piece of news, this one from his audio world. Rabbi Hanoch Teller, an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you so very much. And uh, by the way, this dovetails perfectly with your whole intro because uh, my podcast, that's what you're referring to, called Teller from Jerusalem, which can be found on any, on any platform, is all about the early struggle to build the state of Israel. So those of you who really want to have a, a connection to understand a little better the state of Israel, uh, I would recommend you go there. Uh, the podcast is called Teller from Jerusalem. As Rabbi Teller just mentioned, it's available on all the traditional podcast platforms. He does encourage, as do we, uh, that everybody subscribe to it listen to it, and anything, as he just uh, indicated, that connects us to Jerusalem and to the Holy Land is of great value, especially now during this uh, very interesting era that we are in. Um, I don't, and I said this earlier during the show, and again, it it may be more difficult for yourself, for you, who's who's normally entrenched in Jerusalem and and has been more entrenched (laughs) in Jerusalem over the last year than normally. Uh, It might be more difficult for you to relate to this, but I don't know of a period of time in the last 73 years, and I could even make the argument that it's way earlier than just 73 years. 
when Jews in the diaspora felt this disconnected to the Holy Land. It was easier, follow my logic, everybody, it was easier in the early part of the 20th century, but I'm talking about before World War II, it was easier to get to the Holy Land, and again, the word easier in quotation marks, people have to understand what I mean by that, than it is now for someone in the diaspora to get to the Holy Land. What, what is your philosophical uh, observation, Rabbi Teller, about my observation? I don't know if this really qualifies within the rubric of philosophy, but the fact of the matter is, is that prior to, uh, well, from the time of the execrable white paper, it was illegal, more or less, to get into Israel. The British were guarding. Right. And then prior to that, the Turks made it all but impossible to come into Israel. And But now it's the Israeli government, the Ministry of Health, which makes it illegal for one to come to Israel because of their care and concern for Israeli citizens. Right. How so unusual. Huh? And the people who are keeping you out are, 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 are the good guys. Yeah, I, no, I get that. So now, so basically my theory has um, uh, has more hope. You've been substantiated, by the way. It has or has not? You've been substantiated, in fact, corroborated. Oh, okay, I appreciate that, because I thought, that based on, on your initial comment, I thought uh, you were trying to emphasize how people were, in fact, shut out from heading to the Holy Land no, in the early no, part of the 20th way, century. Even with the British and the Turks, right. there were people who somehow made it there. Correct, correct. That's amazing, I'll tell you. And now we're in this era, and we are trying, as we've always done for the last 35-plus years, to bridge the gap between the diaspora and Israel. But now it's as, uh, as desperate a task as ever, because I fear that as time goes on and this separation continues, that it'll be harder and harder for the average diaspora Jew to again reacquaint themselves with the Holy Land, those who, uh, although, again, especially because of our friends at the Mizrahi and what we spoke about earlier this morning, I know there are plenty of people, myself included, desperate to get back. I think there's a category of people, however, who had made plans to visit at some point, who had made plans to focus on the Holy Land at some point, and I think their interest may be waning. So we are in a very sensitive and, I believe, historically precarious period of time when it comes to the relationship between diaspora jury and the state of Israel. Isn't that interesting, Nachum? You're always so upbeat, and here you have such a level of t- a timber of such gravity in your voice, which I cannot deny. There's a remarkable story that Rav Dessler writes in his most famous of all essays, Kuntras of Chesed. He writes about it. Rav Dessler's very famous principle is, is that the more you give, the more you love. There's a, what's called in Yeshiva terminology, a chakira. Chakira means an analysis. In other words, what is a zebra? Is it a black horse with white stripes or a white horse with black stripes? In Yeshiva, we could spend years on this. Right, right. So if that's their ass, what does love emanate from? Is it because you love, you give, or because you give, you love? And he proves hermetically that love emanates from giving. And then he relates a story. It's a remarkable story, which goes like this. There was a couple that was uh, separated during the war. He's referring to World War Two. Scratch. He's re- yeah, it's World War Two. One ended up in Australia. He doesn't say where. One ended up in Australia, the mother and the daughter. And the father and the son were then separated. And after the war, they found that they could not, when there was such a wonderful you know, reunion, they got together again. Right. But they couldn't pick up the pieces where they had left off. The mother was not able to relate to the son the way she had before, nor the father to the daughter. Could it be, he asks, that when she left the boy, he was a little boy and now he's a strapping lad? He said, no. What happened is, is that love emanates from giving. And all that time of absence, the boy was being taken care of by his father. 
and the little girl was thinking of by his mother, and that's why they couldn't get back, because that giving, which was absent, could not make up for all the time. What people are unaware of is Rav Dessler is writing something autobiographical. What happened was his wife went with his daughter to Europe, back to visit family in Kelm. The war broke out, and they made it to Australia, and Rav Dessler made it. It was in England, and his son went to America. He's referring to himself. And so I hear this, these ominous tomes of what you're saying is that, uh, but as long as American Jewry maintains their connection of giving to Israel, then the love will still be there. I, I hear that, but you know, you made me think that when someone, and I don't think it's an unusual situation, let's say a, a young man or woman as a student goes to a different country, studies there for a few years, and then returns home, I know there's WhatsApp, and I know there's FaceTime and everything else, but I would argue that it's probably going to be a different relationship when they get back to their family than when they left. That is precisely the best point. Yeah. No, I get it. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and bringing it now to this national level, it's funny because in a way, and I know this from my personal experience, I pine and I yearn to land back in Israel uh, to the point that I may you know, make every effort once I walk outside to kiss the ground in Israel. That's how much I miss it after 14 months. Last time I was there was January of 2020. But mm-hmm. I th- so I think there's that category of people, and I think there's the other category that we're now touching on. Uh, people who are, I don't know, casual lovers of Israel, people who, <laughs> who focus on Israel in a different way, maybe as not on a with the regularity that some of us do. And again, using the example of somebody like a birthright student who had planned, I'm going, I'm excited, and now, you know, life has taken a different turn, they, and it's very possible they'll just never go now at this point. And I, and I worry about that group terribly, and the example you gave is, is so poignant. Wow. And there's other reason to be concerned insofar as that in American environment is much more toxic insofar as uh, support for Israel. Right. Certainly more toxic than it used to be, I can tell you that much. When I was a little boy, I mean, I'm 27, but when I was a little boy, <laughs> yeah, why is that so funny? Because I, I know, know. Because I know why you're here in America, and, uh, <laughs> and that would be difficult to believe when you have a big simcha today, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, I remember I, I grew up in a non-Jewish neighborhood. And during the Six Day War, everybody, yeah. again, I was a little boy, but everybody was pro-Israel. Yeah. We're not in that situation today. What city I mean, did you grow up in? Stanford, Connecticut. Wow. Oh, so you you know a lot of people that I know, I bet. Anyway, <laughs> so... <laughs> I bet that anyways. But I... That's true. Um, but, and also, uh, and, and not to get too political, but as, as I'm sure you know, even before you arrived on these shores for your most recent visit, uh, there's a toxic in atmosphere in general going on here that's uncomfortable. You know, forget for a moment specifically the Jewish community in Israel, just in general, there's, there's, a, there's such a, an air of uncertainty which makes life somewhat uncomfortable for many of us in this country. Um, and that's something to consider now also. You have all these things, you have all these things converging at once which makes for a very interesting uh, period of time that we're living through right now. And for many people, a scary period of time, frankly. Rabbi Hanoch Teller is with us. The podcast is called Teller from Jerusalem. How many episodes have you done already? Uh, I don't even know. Meaning, I, I imagine there's seven or eight that are aired. Uh, we've already pre-recorded 20. It sounds that uh, it's amazing how much work. I mean, I thought my history is my strength. And we're talking about the birth of Israel and that early struggle to build the state. Right. Yeah, but it's amazing. I, I'm telling you a, an absolute fact. Every single episode, which is only 20 minutes, takes me over 16 hours to prepare. That's it? 
I, 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 I know this industry very well. I'm shocked it's only 16 hours. You must be an, exp- oh, you must you be an, ex- you must be an experienced you. person in general, frankly. And, and by the way, I'm only half kidding because I get it that it takes 16 hours to prepare 20 minutes. Uh, the most recent episode you recorded, give me the theme. Like, what was it? Was it about a specific hero, a specific episode? Like, how, uh, let me know the approach until, of this. I think we're, we're, we're basically discussing the Balfour Declaration. Mm-hmm. And it's like reading a uh, – it's like the Megillat Dester. There's just so many heroes that came out of nowhere and things right. that happened and happened that yeah. Weizmann discovered uh, acetone, which was critical for the British government in their mm-hmm. war effort. Acetone, we know, is nail remover. Right. It's also critical for ammunition, and Britain desperately needed it. They usually hadn't imported it from Germany. They couldn't get it from Germany. Obviously, they were fighting Germany. They couldn't get it from America because there were U-boats, and they had to desperately need... They needed 90 million gallons. And so young... Winston Churchill turned to uh, this professor, Dr. Chaim Weizmann. Can you help me? Instead of fainting, I need 90 million gallons. He got to work, and he, he turned out this artificial acetone from chestnuts. And that made him in a key position to be, you know, they were beholden to him. Uh, and there's just one player after another player that was instrumental, including Rav Koch, who happened to have been, he said he was exiled from Israel. He had gone to Europe to try and encourage Agudat Israel, which had their 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 kinus in, in, in Switzerland, right. he went there to, be, uh, to speak in their behalf, to try and get them more encouraged to be pro-Israel. The war broke out. The conference never took place. He then traveled to England, and he was able to, there were some, everyone in England was sort of pro the, pro-Balfour, but the British parliamentarians that were Jewish were always afraid, the problem of always a Jewish parliamentarian, of a Jewish person in office, is afraid that would look like dual loyalty. So Cook was able to influence, you know, assert his influence on Anglo Jewry, and many people who were in the wrong place at the right time uh, were able to be involved in this. So it's one episode after another. Pardon the term "episode" <laughs> of how things we don't expect happened, which are so instrumental in building the state. You know, and many unsung heroes. I, I, you know, what tomorrow night is obviously seventy third birthday or being observed as the seventy third birthday of the state of Israel. Uh, it's it sometimes, uh, and Mayor Weingarten and I always discuss this on the air. Uh, if only, if only people, um, uh, at the minimum, if people would at least acknowledge the miracle, the miraculous um, uh, moves of history, right? Chess moves, Kaviyachol uh, from the one above uh, of history that went into. Um, this day, I'm not. I'm not saying everyone's got to sing songs and say Hallel and and observe and 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 shave tomorrow night. I'm not going into all that, you know. Although I think all those are legitimate positions. All I'm saying is, I wish every Jew around the world understood what type of miracle it was that you're describing in these podcasts. Okay, yeah. So I'm referring. This is an unabashed plug for this because uh, it took a lot of work. It, you cannot know unless you know the history. You can't right. go fu- understand the future unless you understand the past. Yeah. And we're going through it. My strength is history and stories, and we weave it together well to present this picture of what happened that we cannot know. And we need to appreciate a miracle, which is not so long ago. Rabbi Beryl Wine tells a story, and I know this because I know my father's a Chalavracha. He was of that age, you know, one who came over from Europe. Yeah. He tells that in Chicago Coliseum, and, uh, when, Israel, <laughs> when Israel became a state, he said there were 20,000 people inside and 40,000 people outside. And he said they raised the flag, Israeli flag, up the rafters of the Chicago Coliseum. He said, there, he, and Rabbi Berowin said in his great dry humor, as far as I'm concerned, they should have stopped the program right then and there before the speeches. Right. 
before the flag was at half mast going up, the whole place was doubled over crying because they understood what it meant to have finally a state of Israel. If only 15 years earlier there would have been such a place which could have been a refuge and a haven for Jewry. Wow. This was the perfect day to have you on. As uh, Again, we have proven God is the ultimate producer. Um, <laughs> the the podcast, and I wish I had more time for you, frankly. The, the podcast is Teller from Jerusalem. Check it out, all your uh, uh, your high-quality traditional podcast platforms. Or by Hanoch Teller, it's the latest um, uh, the latest weapon in his repertoire of trying to get people to know Jewish history and try to get people to understand where we come from and where we're going. Uh, again, the podcast is called Teller from Jerusalem. And those of you not familiar with everybody, Teller's works, and of course I find it hard to believe that there's anybody like that, but just in case, you can Google him and see just how many books he's written, how many great stories he's told, and how many wonderful lectures and videos he has delivered. And I take this opportunity, everybody, Teller, to wish you a mazal tov on today's simcha. Thank you very and- much for joining together with our, with our children. Thank you for being active participants, and thank you for the wonderful interview. I appreciate this. Uh, my pleasure. Um, check out Rabbi Hanoch Teller's website, Google him, and check out the brand new podcast, Teller from Jerusalem. Always a pleasure and honor to speak with him here on JM in the AM. Rosh Chodesh morning here at JM in the AM. I, um, we have a full morning here, and some of the points he made regarding our relationship here in the diaspora with the state of Israel during this precarious time, just so poignant and amazing. Anyway, um, uh, this time each uh, <laughs> this time each and every. Uh, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Today is my grandfather's yard site. Uh, Rabbi Goldwasser's words, And as I mentioned, today is the yard site of... Um, our general manager, Miriam L. Wallach's uh, dear mother, Dr. Vivian Mann, Chaya Bela, Bat Yishayahu Yaakov. And uh, we dedicate Rabbi Goldwasser's words, of course, to her as well on her second yard site. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in Tehillim, melokim. You have made him slightly less than angels. And you have crowned him with honor in splendor. Marana Rav Shach says that we think when it says Bitsalmenu or Bidmusenu, it's like some type of a saying that we were created in Hashem's image. However, the truth is, when we begin to fathom that Hashem breathed into us the Nishmas Chaim, Bitsalmenu Kidmusenu, and we are only a little bit less than an angel, we realize how great man really is. We can also understand the mistake of Adam and Cain. They felt they were B'Tzam Elohim. They made the mistake only in the idea of They thought that they could be compared to their creator. They knew that they were great and therefore they thought they could hide. We don't make this mistake However, we make an even bigger mistake because we don't know how great the value that we all have. The Malach cannot destroy the world. He can't build the world. But an individual that uses their capabilities to achieve a level of tzidkus has the power to build. Or, if they corrupt their way, chas v'shalom, the opposite. Yosef HaTzadik 
passed through a difficult Nisayun, a great challenge in life. If he would have been Nikshol, if he would have stumbled, the generations would have lost the title of Yosef Atzadik. And even if he had been righteous all of his days and only failed just that one time, he would have lost his purpose in this world. What brought Yosef to this great Nisayon? Shlomo HaMelech calls the Yetzahara a zvuv, a fly. A fly doesn't come from a clean place and it doesn't give up. It goes back and forth a thousand times. So too, the Yetzahara does not give up. But the Adam HaShalem, he does not have any place that's missing. The Yetzahara has no way of gaining access to him. The Yetzahara just keeps looking for that little opening. The person who's not so careful in a mitzvah, who watches Shabbos but not a hundred percent, Kashris but not a hundred percent, the Yetzer waits to find that opening and to jump in. Yosef HaTzadik perfected himself and because of that did not fall prey to the Nisoyon, to the challenge. You and I, we also have that ability. That Pasuk in Tehillim was meant for you and meant for me. We can also become the Adam HaShalem, the complete person, and not be affected by the challenges of life. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. JM in the AM. Thank you, Rabbi Goldwasser. JM the AM on a Tuesday morning. Reminder tonight, Yom Zikaron. That means our Yom Zikaron special tomorrow morning between 6 and 9 a.m. Tomorrow night, Yom Ma'ut, Israel's 73rd birthday. And that means uh, our Yom Ma'ut, Israel Independence Day, 73rd birthday celebration coming up Thursday morning right here at JM in the AM. Uh, well, there is no question that now Israel and its government, in light of the most recent elections, is facing one of the more interesting negotiations and one of the more interesting setups or potential setups in recent memory. I don't think, and we'll find out from our guest in a moment, I don't think there has ever been a serious attempt to to bring Arab parties into a ruling or into a majority Israeli government. I don't think until this election, again, our guest will tell me if I'm right or wrong. With us live via telephone from our friends at Artura Stone, in Israel is Rabbi Yaakov Nagin. Rabbi Yaakov Nagin is director of the Ortura Stone Blickle Institute for Interfaith Dialogue. Rabbi Nagin, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. A pleasure to be back. Thank you. Am I right about this, that this is really the first serious attempt in Israeli political history to bring Arab parties into a ruling majority government? Okay. Um, I believe you're correct, and I think there's some. This, it's, it's a very exciting issue. Although I feel what's what's truly important goes beyond the political question. Politics come and go, but there's a deeper issue here about the relations between the Jews of Israel and the non-Jewish minority. Um, and this is an issue that I've been very involved with. Yeah, and there's no question that's an issue we've discussed for decades, as have so many uh, um, uh, uh, Jewish fora discussed for decades uh, in terms of that relationship. We, we have generally, and I know this is a real generalization, but you could give us more specifics. 
we have generally considered that those uh, members of the Jewish faith in Israel who have had uh, good relationships with members of the uh, Arab minority community in Israel, that generally that relationship was a very good one until we got to a certain point when the intifadas began, when a, a, a breach of trust uh, was felt to have, uh, to have occurred. Uh, and then since then, it, there's been an effort, although it's been very difficult, to repair that relationship. Is that way too general an analysis of recent Jewish-Arab history? Um, I think that's correct, and the, the, and the question and challenge is understanding why are things changing, and part of this change is part of the broader process, where, where the inconceivable becomes possible. Only a few months ago, we woke up to the Abraham Accords, right. something which only be, um, which we um, a, a real treaties of real no, warm normalization with Muslim countries, and I think what's so the key to what's happening. What happened then, what's happening now, is that these were connected to the deep identities of the people living in the Middle East. In in the past, the different peace efforts got names like Oslo or Camp David, which are nothing to do with the identities, where the Abrahamic Accords touches on the deep identity, saying that Jews and Muslims, we have something in common. We have a point of connection. And the same way, this is what's happening now. It's no accident there are four Arab parties in the Israeli Knesset. And it's no accident that it's the, it's the Islamic party is the one that is talking about um, connecting with, with, um, with the Jewish country. It's, because, it's specifically because their, the evolving understanding of their Islamic identity has it not as in opposition to, to Judaism, but creates a, a basis for something in common to bring us together. Rabbi Yaakov Nagin is with us. You know, it's funny, when we did our trip to Dubai, I came back with that message that you just described, uh, one that I thought was lost on the average, you know, day school Jewish American, uh, especially in the era recently that, you know, that, that this generation grew up in when there was such animosity between uh, Jews and Arabs, and 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 the only Arabs one heard about was those who were attacking or or you know suicide bombing Israelis. Frankly, so we brought back the message after our journey that we actually met real people on the quote unquote other side who had deep respect for Jews and Judaism. I don't know if I would have honestly believed it if I didn't see it with my own eyes, and that was the message we brought back. Are you suggesting that that same attitude that we experienced in Dubai? Um, can be experienced in Israel as well, meaning meaning that the Muslim members of Arab parties that you just told us about are are potentially as sincere as the people we met in the UAE. Um, I think in Israel, to be exact, the situation is much more complex, and there are many more problems. Although, but there, but if we wait for a non-complex situation and a situation that has no problems, <laughs> we're never going to get anywhere. Right. So the so the the are complexities, the effect, um, and but I feel that there's with the complexities and problems, there are also opportunities. Things are on the move, and the question is, what can we do to um, to accelerate this process? Two weeks ago, for example, before the elections, three weeks ago. I went to visit the high school in Kfar Qasim. Kfar Qasim is the birthplace of the Southern Islamic movement, whose party, Ram, is now under discussion. 
And the principal of the school is also the imam, the religious leader of Tfar Qasim. And I was able to see firsthand that the warm respect, it's not just about politics. I came on a day that the students who had volunteers during COVID got, um, were getting prizes from the school, but they waited till I, sh- I came to do the ceremony, and one by one the students um, had their photos with me. Um, the Imam of Karkas, there was 3,000 people who comes to his lecture in the mosque, told me that after the murder of Esther Hordan, he devoted his lecture to uh, condemning, condemning that heinous crime um, and challenging his, the people there to say, how could this possibly be the will of God? The problem is bad things are all true, but what we neglect is their, their positive developments also. And, the, and in this complexity, we have to not ignore the negative parts, um, connections to people that are connected to terror and terrorism. But if we see everything's black and white, we'll miss the opportunities to, to help in a process which I think could ultimately lead us the way that the Abrahamic Accords, um, something real, so too within Israeli society. Well, I hear what you're saying. Rabbi Yaakov Daged is with us, directs the uh, Oratory Stone Blickle Institute for Interfaith Dialogue. Um, it, I need to know an answer, though, to the, to the following, and that is that, and, and, and one of your great leaders, Rabbi Riskin, made a point of this in the 1980s and maybe even you know later than that, more recent than that, and that was to try to actually forge real relationships, real friendly relationships with Arab neighbors, right? He, he, he made that well known, and we, I, I respected him for that. I would hope everybody listening respected him for that. But then even he described that when the Intifada began and the Oslo Accords and everything else that we spoke about, uh, it, th- that relationship became frayed, and that relationship became much more difficult to maintain. My question to you now in 2021 Someone who makes that effort with Arab neighbors, do they have more potential, or is the animosity still as great as it was 20 years ago, and it's almost impossible to proceed? Well, first of all, I'd like to share with you three words which captures a whole worldview, which Riskin was talking about. And these three words I learned actually in a conference in Amman, Jordan, that we had representatives from every country in the Middle East. Um Connection before correction. Right. Connection before correction. We have so many feelings that there's so much to correct on the other side, and they also have their issues. But to realize the way to overcome that is through connection. So I think we were in the, the Intifada, there was a real war. There was Arafat there. Um, I live in Otniel, which is in the southern hills of Hebron. Right. We were one of the hardest. Right. hit communities during the Intifada. Correct. Um, but, but I see that um, there are other currents, and, and, I, and I feel I've been involved with the interfaith with Judaism and Islam for 15 years, and I see um, it's growing exponentially in terms of the people involved and the type of the discourse. So you have to be an insider. You have to know who's the friend and who's the enemy you have, um, and see the complexities. But I feel ultimately we're not saying to let our guard down. We're, right. not, we're saying to look for more connection and personal people to people connection. And also, one thing which we focus on in our new institution is going back to the roots. Islam in the Quran overall is a very positive view of the Jewish people. We're called Alu Kitab, the people of the book, and who are given the Torah 
by God. Moshe, Moses is mentioned 135 times in the Quran, where Muhammad is mentioned four times. So a lot of it is, is finding ways to going back to the sources to rebuild um, a connection which, which, um, which through politics and other issues has often been lost. So I feel it's it's not just doing, it's it's going back to our deepest right. identities as Jews and Muslims. You, this could be the game changer. You, you I think that's that you, is not what happened earlier. You said connection before um, before correction. I'm, I'm thinking also one might add communication before correction. Uh, I mean one one and the same, but uh, you know again uh, we we need to emphasize how important communication is because that's where it all starts, and I'm sure it's exactly what you mean by that. Well, I think that's a great point. So maybe we didn't do all three of them because I think for <laughs> communication, um, the all C's, the three C's: <laughs> connection, exactly. communication, and correction. Because to have good communications, if people feel connected as people, they'll be able to really listen to one another. The impetus for uh, for really listening to each other and hearing the other person's story is because we're disconnected. If we have that feeling of of that this, of, of something shared, a personal connection will be much more open to hear hear the the problems and the pain on the and and I, I think the connection will lead to the communication and the communication will lead to uh, lead to correction. Now I have to go back to Amon Jordan to share your edition with all the uh, participants <laughs> there. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. Bishem Umro, I beg you. Uh, finally, Rabbi Nagin. Um, if we're going to 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 assume, uh, and based on your presentation, I do assume that you feel that the uh, that, that there is great hope that there are changing viewpoints, and that Israelis, uh, hopefully in general, understand the importance of of beginning to relate or continuing to relate to the Arab minority in the way you described. Is this something that's officially part of our Torah Stone curriculum? Uh, I mean, does your department address high schoolers and? older students on these issues of interfaith? Um, 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 yes, we started this year. This is part of um, um, Rabbi Brander um, founded two new organizations feeling that one of the great issues of our time is what is the relationship between the Jewish people to humanity as a whole, right. and feeling part of Medinat Yisrael is a, we need a vision, and part of the vision is issues. How do we relate to our minorities? How do we govern our, our foreign relations? So as a result, um, he began our institution, and this is our first year, but we're creating materials and sources, um, and to ultimately part of the, um, the curriculum studies to feel that we should be at the cutting edge of this vision for the Jewish people, which so much is discussed in the book of the prophets of the Nevi'im to make this into a reality. So I'm very grateful to Ortora Stone and to Rabbi Brander for leading us on this issue. Very interesting. Hey, if it wasn't a difficult topic, it wouldn't take such uh, a tremendous work uh, to get to the eventual goal. Nothing like this is easy, that's for sure. Rabbi Yaakov Nagin, Director of Ortora Stone's Blickla Institute for Interfaith Dialogue. I thank you for joining us, and our best regards to everybody at Ortora Stone. Thank you so much. It was great being back. Tuesday morning broadcast, you're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Tuesday morning. Israel Memorial Day tonight. We have our special tomorrow morning. Israel Independence Day, the 73rd birthday celebration coming up Thursday. Mayor Weingarten, of course, will join me for both. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. Mazel tov to A.D. That came uh, 
from bus to Albany on the app. <laughs> it's day 16 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's the second day of Rosh Chodesh ER. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, of course. Kudos to the Margaret Teets Nursing and Rehab Center. They're doing a uh, an evening of inspiration dedicated to the memory of Rabbi Fabian Schoenfeld two weeks from tonight, April the 27th at 7 p.m. Rabbi Noach Isaac Elbaum, Rabbi Eitan Feiner, Rabbi Yoel Schoenfeld, Rabbi Chaim Schwartz. The whole thing will be moderated by Rabbi Zalvo Perlman, Coordinator of Jewish Affairs at Margaret Teets. They'll stream it on margaretteets.org, and we'll give you more information as we get closer. Um, that is a, as I said earlier, the life of Rabbi Fabian Schoenfeld is one of great importance in modern Jewish history. And that they're doing a night in tribute to him with, I'm sure, many important um, uh, presentations is really, really cool. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Enjoy a 10% discount on all Abels and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code RADIO. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954 and A&H products are available at Better Kosher Supermarkets Nationwide. Try A&H today. want to remind you about our friends at Partners in Torah. If you want to become a mentor, and we certainly recommend you do, and enhance the um, heritage and tradition of somebody out there who's desperate to have their tradition and heritage enhanced, contact Partners in Torah. It'll be a life-changing experience that you'll appreciate greatly. Partnersintorah.org, partnersintorah.org, or 1-800-STUDY-42. 1-800-STUDY, the number four, and then the number two. Mazel Tov to Tzachi Lowy of Clifton on his bar mitzvah. Mazel Tov, good wishes to his parents, Yoshua and Jennifer Lowy of Clifton. Uh, to their parents, uh, Norman and Barbara Gilden down in Boynton Beach, formerly of Teaneck. To Harvey and Karen Lowy of Fort Lee. Congratulations to all the siblings, Donnie, Shandy, and Gavi, and of course all the uncles, aunts, and extended family members. Mazel tov tzachi lowi. Um, and if I'm mispronouncing it, I apologize, and I'll say mazel tov tzachi lowi. Mazel tov tzachi lowi from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, our friends at Artscroll and Artscroll.com, they're set to announce the release. It actually happened yesterday. The release date was changed from this Thursday to yesterday. Rabbi Eliezer Krohn, A Woman's Guide to Practical Halacha, has just been released. Rabbi Eliezer Krohn, A Woman's Guide to Practical Halacha, has just been released. Go to artscroll.com, artscroll.com. Uh, you get your discount and you get free shipping when you use promo code radio for anything at artscroll.com. Go to artscroll.com. The brand new one is A Woman's Guide to Practical Halacha. Well, we've been mentioning that our Lag Omer celebration is being brought to you by our friends at Mizrahi, the RZA, the Religious Zionists of America. Thank you to their lay leadership. Thank you to Ari Rockoff. Thank you to everybody for being such an important part of our big Lag Omer celebration coming up on April the 30th. But I, I mentioned that RZA has, I mean, I, I said this, uh, I, ho- I hope everyone heard what I said in the last hour. If not, I'll, I'll try to recap. RZA Mizrahi, they understood, like like uh, I discussed with her, I tell her, they understood how desperate diaspora jury is to reunite and reconnect with Israel. So they arranged this tour, the journey home, without any knowledge about whether anybody would be interested. Because, you know, there's a hesitation to get back into travel. It's only a few weeks away. It's at the end of May, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the rumor is that this trip's already sold out. 
So kudos to RZA Mizrahi for literally leading the way back to Eretz Yisrael, leading the way back to our beloved state. Uh, The trip leaves Wednesday, May 26th, and uh, it, it is an amazing feeling to make this announcement, frankly. And what vision they had at RZA Mizrahi, because they could have had zero response to this, the way people are somewhat hesitant to to hop on the travel bandwagon. And the rumor is that they are sold out. We'll discuss this with Ari Rakoff more on Thursday and give him the appropriate accolades. Uh, But right now, to learn more about future RZA Mizrahi Journey Home missions, go to rza.org slash journey home, rza.org slash journey home. You're listening to JM in the AM.
tries to understand, he'll make him come. The little girl who sings and says every word with holy kavanah, she'll make him come. Baruch Levine, Joey Newcomb, album is called Off the Record. Rosh Chodesh morning, 16th of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world of web and NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Well, our friends at JOMA, Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association, have given us an amazing opportunity over the last few weeks to spread the word 
uh, with their uh, expert uh, guests, their expert interviewees about the importance of the COVID-19 vaccine. And I, I pray that we're making a big difference in the community. There are people, and I hear more about this each day, there are people in our community who are skeptical. There are people in our community who are uh, taking the avenue of avoidance. Uh, but I would hope that everyone out there would understand the importance of getting vaccinated, uh, both for yourselves and the greater community. With us live via telephone is Dr. Mira Hellman-Ostrov, board-certified in obstetrics, gynecology, and gynecological oncology. Uh, her career is focused on academics and has always taught medical students and residents, and currently she works at the John Thur Cancer Center at Hackensack University Medical Center and is an assistant professor through the Hackensack Meridian School of Medicine. She serves on the Residency Review Committee, is the specialty clinical instructor for minimally invasive surgery. She's a certified intuitive instructor and instructs other surgeons in robotic surgery and functions as a surgical consultant for Ethicon Surgical. She's very active in research and is a primary investigator on several ongoing research projects. She enjoys helping with community outreach and serves as secretary of the JOMA Board of Directors. Dr. Mira Hellman-Ostrov, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Good morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, we have a, a very interesting community. <laughs> That's how I would put it. We have a community of people that I, I think is split. I wouldn't say it's an even split. And there's obviously some gray area, but there are people that we meet in our community who are enthusiastically going to get vaccinated and cannot wait to be holding that vaccination uh, confirmation card. And there are others, as I say, who are either skeptical or are taking the avenue of avoidance or procrastination, um, waiting to see. I'm not sure what they're waiting for, but just waiting to see how things Develop from your vantage point, from your vantage point as a medical professional, from your vantage point as somebody who has been part of some important events so far and more events coming up uh, that are directly speaking to the community about this issue. How would you view our community's response to the advent of a COVID-19 vaccine? Well, I, you know, I'm not an epidemiologist and my observations are purely empirical, but um, I would say that our community is, is no different than a lot of other communities. There's definitely split opinions. Some of the opinions, uh, some of people's opinions are developed based on the personal experience. Unfortunately, we know a lot of people suffered tremendous losses over the past year, uh, especially in the months of March and April of last year. Um, and there have been, unfortunately, some losses during the second surge this winter. Um, so some of that shapes people's opinions. Other people who maybe weren't as directly affected are a little more skeptical. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of information available through social media, through the Internet, through other venues, some of it reliable, some of it not. And honestly, for a person in the public, it's sometimes very hard to decipher what to believe and what not to believe. Um, so that's why we're here to try to help. Um, but the community as a whole, um, I think, is is very similar to other communities. Some people are very pro, and some mm. people are skeptical. How did it go? Uh, how did it, how did it go this past Sunday night? Because Sunday night was, I, I think, the first major town hall on this issue. If there were others, you could let me know. But and I know there are others coming up, which we'll discuss. But Sunday night, uh, April the eleventh, uh, uh, some very high quality medical personnel addressed this issue. Uh, did it attract the big crowd? Did it attract major interest from the Jewish community? Well, uh, I have to say, Baruch Hashem, Sunday night's event was very, very, very successful. Um, we had a 
magnificent panel of speakers. Um, we had Dr. Nora Barzev, who is uh, a professor at Johns Hopkins University Medical Center involved in the vaccine development. We had Dr. Ellie Carmody Stone, who I believe you spoke sure. to. Very impressive. Um, who is, yes, who is um, infectious disease at NYU Medical Center, and she's right. heavily involved in a lot of the treatment clinical trials um, for COVID-19, including the hydroxychloroquine and remdesivir. Um, and uh, we had Dr. Richard Grazi, who's well-known in the community as an infertility specialist. Um, and the moderator was Dr. Elisa Minkin, also very heavily involved in the COVID vaccine education. Um, we had, so it was a wonderful panel. Uh, the event itself lasted for approximately two hours. Wow. Um, we had thousands of viewers, wow. um, and the views are still coming in. The, actually, the event is available to view for anybody who wants it's available on youtube the entire thing um and we still have people by the hundreds coming and clicking and viewing it um the way we organized the town hall was people were submitting questions in advance and we tried to the best of our ability to address all them but there were so many questions um really just demonstrating people's concerns and confusions and we tried to the best of our ability to answer as many questions as possible, and I hope we did that. Um, we've gotten tremendous positive feedback. Um, people from the community uh, who have told us they've appreciated We've had numerous um, numerous messages from people who have told us that the, an- the question and answer uh, format of the session answer their questions directly, and they're signing up to get vaccinated, which to us is the the, the biggest positive reinforcement we could have ever asked for. Big victory, Um, big victory to say the least. You know, it's funny, as a pro-vaxxer, and I I apologize for interrupting, but I just want to mention, as a pro-vaxxer, it's hard for someone like me to understand the reluctance uh, but as you just pointed out there, you know, people come from so many different angles, whether it's a personal experience, things they've been, uh, you know, legitimate things that they've been taught or have, the, you know, discussed with others, you know, over the years, et cetera, et cetera. Like we, we, we forget those of us who are, you know, ready and, and, you know, and committed to get vaccinated as soon as possible. We forget just how many different influences there are out there and how people want answers to questions before they proceed on something as serious as this. A hundred percent. And that's why we've tried very hard to express to people we're not here to force anybody to take the vaccine. We're not pushing that. We're here to answer your question so you can make the right decision for you. Do we believe that the vaccine is a hundred percent beneficial and we should take it? Yes. But we're here to answer questions so people can feel comfortable with the decisions that they made. Dr. Mira Hellman Ostrov is with us live via telephone. The 11th, the, the event that took place on April 11th that we referenced, go to joma.org slash COVID-19, and uh, you will see there literally the video. You don't have to even go to YouTube. You'll literally see the video right there uh, featuring the medical personnel that um, uh, Dr. Hellman Ostrov uh, mentioned. And you'll be able to see the entire presentation. Just go to joma.org slash COVID-19, joma.org slash COVID-19. And now that we've discussed the past, let us discuss the future. There'll be a live stream town hall specifically for Kala teachers, doulas, and mikvah attendants. Again, answering your questions on the issues of COVID-19 vaccines, fertility, pregnancy, etc., Dr. Donnie Lent-Halpern is going to present. Dr. Alyssa Hellman is going to present. And this is all happening on uh, the 18th of April, uh, which is um, uh, this coming Sunday. That's number one. There's also a live stream town call for healthcare professionals. 
with Dr. Valerie Altman, Dr. Dorit uh, Reese Rubenstein, Dr. Mark Mulligan, and that's happening on Tuesday, the 20th of April. Um, and that introduction, by the way, is being done by uh, Dr. Alan Kadish, who's the president of Turo College. Let's start with the first event. Let's start with this coming Sunday. Why is it necessary to have a specific town hall for college teachers, doulas, and mikvah attendants? Well, as part of the unfortunate COVID pandemic, obviously mikvah attendance was something that came into question uh, in terms of how to allow people to go to the mikvah yet be safe right. um, during the time of the pandemic. And I was actually, uh, you know, as many of us at Joma were involved with helping with the mikvah guidelines for our community um, and working with uh, mikvah.org and um uh, attendance throughout the country and even internationally in terms of helping them uh, with designing safe mikvah guidelines. Now, as the Baruch Shem Lili have something that we can address, uh, that we can use to address the pandemic, we have the vaccine. Uh, questions come up. Questions come up in terms of pe- people's vaccinated status, um, whether or not we have to have the same stringent requirements in the mikvah. Uh, there have been, and this was touched upon briefly at the town hall, there have been some reports of uh, potentially abnormal um, spotting mikvah questions related to the vaccine itself, which may arise. Wow. So this is a very sensitive topic. Yes, this is a very sensitive topic um, that really, as we know for most Orthodox people, heavily impacts their life. Um, and we we wanted to have a dedicated session to address all these questions to allow people uh, to obtain the vaccine as easily as possible, not to have uh, any concerns that this will affect the mikvah service, and to help mikvah attendants um, design the mikvah guidelines in a safe manner for people who are vaccinated, who are not vaccinated, um, and how to keep things open and running safely. Well, Kala Kavod and the post-gim had to, you know, really pay careful attention, obviously, to this area, both in terms of mikvah setup, as you described, and specific situations that are coming up uh, for women, which I wasn't even aware of until you just mentioned that. Plus, on top of that, as it says in the intro for the event, I mean, there are people with questions about the vaccine for those who are in fertility treatment, vaccine for those who are pregnant at the moment or trying to get pregnant. And and those are important questions as well that I'm sure will be addressed that night. A hundred percent. Those questions were also addressed um, during the town hall meeting on Sunday night, right. uh, for anybody who would like to go and review them, uh, that was discussed pretty extensively as well. At all that right. Time. So this is all happening on the 18th, uh, Sunday, April the 18th. It starts at 11 a.m. Uh, and um, and that is uh, for information. You can just go to the Joma website, J O W M A. And again, that's a special live stream town hall for college teachers, doulas, and mikvah attendants on all these specific issues. Uh, a great service to the community that's being provided. Then on the twentieth of April, you're doing one specifically for healthcare professionals. I'm assuming that's doctors, nurses, those who find themselves in hospital and medical office situations. Why a separate one for that category? Well, there is, as you can, uh, you will hear from people who educate educators. There, the questions that come up are slightly different, perhaps. Mm-hmm not as much directly related to some of the side effect questions, more as to how to talk to your patient about it, how to answer your patient's questions about it, what people's personal experiences have been with questions that were posed to them. So it's a slightly different approach that helps healthcare providers help their 
patients right. feel comfortable and answer their questions appropriately. Mm. And one of the panelists, actually, Dorit Rubenstein, uh, she's very interestingly, she's a lawyer, but she deals a lot with vaccine hesitancy. Um, and the reason why we have her on the panel is because she is extremely familiar with the vaccine hesitant world, and we're here to help healthcare providers know that side of it so that they're prepared to answer the questions appropriately when their patients come in. Wow. All right. So that's also uh, obviously for for that specific group, that specific category, information about that Tuesday event, the 20th of April. You can go to joma.org. Again, joma.org. And in general, I just want to remind everybody out there that the Joma website is a is chock full of information regarding the COVID-19 vaccine in general, plus, of course, the videos we mentioned, etc. cetera. Uh, if you go to their website, joma.org slash COVID-19, you'll see the video. If you go to joma.org and click on the tab at the top that says patient EDU, uh, patient education, you'll also see a whole bunch of material there uh, that's key uh, as it relates to um, a COVID-19. And uh, Dr. Mira Hellman-Ostrov, I would assume that you would enthusiastically recommend based on your medical knowledge that people who are hesitant seriously consider getting the vaccine both for the benefit of themselves their family and our community i'm a big proponent of the vaccine um i do think that people if uh, that people should obtain the vaccine i think it will help them i think it will help the community i think it will help the world as a whole get back to normal um but personal individual decisions regarding obtaining the vaccine obviously need to be discussed with a person, your personal health care provider who knows your medical history. And uh, finally, I just wanted to mention, I'll tell you why I'm mentioning it. There's a, there's a Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association JOMA event coming up on Sunday, April the 25th. Again, it's on the website. People can find it. It's called After the Reproductive Years, uh, a very distinguished panel. Um, Dr. Poland, Dr. Weinerman, Dr. Moses will all be discussing general health and screening after childbearing years, menopause symptoms and treatment, osteoporosis and prevention, which you know is, we, we all know is a big deal when women uh, reach a certain age, uh, urinary incontinence, uh, pelvic organ prolapse, all these issues. And the reason I'm bringing it up, Dr. Uh, Helman-Ostrov, toward the end of our conversation is just to remind this audience that JOMA does cover a lot of areas that are not COVID-19 related. Uh, it's very impressive, the group that uh, has been put together um, at, at JOMA to help our community uh, to address a whole host of medical issues, and this is just one example of it. Well, thank you very much for bringing that up, Nahum. This is something that we're very heavily vested in and helping the community with all aspects. We do have a lot of seminars. We have tons of podcasts addressing many, many different topics and issues, um, and we're we're here to help. Can I ask you to do one more thing before uh, we wrap up this conversation, Doctor? Um, some, some people know that I have uh, a vested interest in what I'm about to say because I have a daughter who is uh, – uh, in the healthcare uh, education industry, meaning, you know, in the course of study uh, to become a healthcare professional. And I think she's going to be a great healthcare great. professional. Um, uh, in fact, I think she's actually written for one of the groups of, uh, of, um, uh, of Jewish healthcare professionals about her experience in school. But anyway, uh, your resume is extremely impressive. And, you know, I grew up in an era where there were a handful of women in the medical profession, and obviously it's a much, much larger group now. Could, could I just ask you to address to the young women in our community, especially the Orthodox community, just how rewarding uh, a career this is and uh, just how much one can accomplish? And obviously, 
again, you know, women in our community, just like men in our community, I think, you know, have to lead a very balanced life in terms of juggling, you know, a million different things. But could you just address how rewarding it is to be able to serve our community and other communities in your capacity? I I can't express to you enough how much satisfaction is gained out of doing what we do. Um, It's very different, I think, than other careers. It's not a job. It's a mission. Um, And I think that anybody who feels strongly about healthcare, about helping people, about allowing people to live the healthiest and best life they can live, I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal career choice. Can't thank you enough for that. Thanks so much for joining us today and continued success with Joma and with all the things that you do. I thank you for your support. Dr. Mira Helman-Ostrov, board member at Joma, board certified in obstetrics, gynecology, and gynecological oncology. And as we said earlier, somebody who is a... uh, has an extremely impressive resume and is encouraging everybody in our community to seriously look at the COVID-19 vaccine and the benefits for you, for your family, and our community, um, and the worldwide community. Joma.org for information. J-O-W-M-A.org for information. J.M. and the A.M. on this uh, Rosh Chodesh E.R., all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh. Keep that in mind. Tonight, Yoma Zikaron. Which means our Yom Hazikaron Israel Memorial Day special is tomorrow. Excuse me, is tomorrow morning. Tomorrow night, Yom Ha'atzmaut, which means Israel's seventy-third birthday celebration, is Thursday morning, right here at JM in the AM. Not bad, huh? Couple of amazing specials coming up this week. A big thank you to our friends at Mizrahi, and we will be speaking to Ari Rockoff Thursday morning on Yom Ha'atzmaut. Not only are they sponsoring our Lagba Omer celebration, which I'm very much looking forward to. <laughs> Have you gotten the idea that I'm very much looking forward to it? I think based on yesterday's show, one can uh, assume that I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, not only are they doing that, but they've announced their mission to Israel, which again, rumor has they are already sold out for the end of May, the end of next month. As Mizrahi, RZA Mizrahi, is leading the way back to Eretz Israel for those of us in the diaspora. We'll talk more about it with uh, him on Thursday. Information, rza.org slash journey home. rza.org slash journey home. Simple as that. rza.org slash journey home. Our friends at shopiclers.com are getting toward the end of their big farm sale. You don't want to miss out. They've got 25,000 titles. Svarim titles, Yiddish titles, 25,000 of them at shopiclers.com. They also have same-day delivery, which means if you live in Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Far Rockaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Thomas River, or Jackson, New Jersey, you could have that item today. <laughs> Not bad, huh? Go to shopiclers.com. They have a couple of days left in the big sale. 10% off across the board on all Svarim and Yiddish titles. Go to shopbyclose.com and enjoy. JM and the AM, those of you who've completed Shkalim, Mazel Tov to you. Those of you starting Yoma, Hatzlach to you on this Daf Yomi first day of Yoma. Hatzlach Hope it goes well. I think it goes till July, right? I think middle July is... Um, I think middle of July is the next seum, uh, if I'm not mistaken. It's that time of year again, tax time. Are you ready? 
Isn't it about time you went to a firm that does more than taxes? Well, that's why we want you to speak to our friend Ralph Rosenbaum at Rosenbaum Financial Services. Taxes play an integral role. Taxes play an integral role in all of life circumstances. They're able to identify planning opportunities based on information inside your return. To learn more about Rosenbaum, go to taxcpa2.com, taxcpa2.com, or call 1-800-829-2722, 1-800-829-2722. Also, if you email Ralph, ralph at taxcpa2.com, they'll send you a no-obligation research on dirty dozen tax scams to watch out for. Ralph at taxcpa2.com. Write to him today and enjoy. Uh, Mizrahi of the Lower East Side is one of the hundreds of uh, synagogues around this country that are using uh, Israel 360 from the Mizrahi, um, Mizrahi.org slash Israel 360, to address Yom mood. Our guest speakers are by Ellie Deitch tomorrow night from Israel. If you want to access the uh, event and be part of our Yom mood celebration with Mizrahi of the Lower East Side, um, it's Mizrahi.les at gmail.com. Mizrahi.les at gmail.com. And um, and that happens tomorrow night beginning at, what time does it begin? 8 p.m. Tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Moadim l'simcha ligulash lema. As then I see Ephraim Arf writes at the end of that email. And uh, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> More coming. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree that it should be a wonderful Yom Atzimut celebration for everybody. At least that's what I'm hoping. More coming up Tuesday morning broadcast on this Rosh Chodesh here at JM in the AM. And um, let's see, where are we heading? This is... Uh, this is from uh, Avramel, Avram Fried, the Hanan Ben Ari cover. Tuesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Eitan Katz, Shavos Seinu, Avramo, Avram Fried, before that was Shuri Lev. We have a special guest with us live via telephone. Uh, it's not Erev Purim, it's not Erev Pesach, it's not Erev Hanukkah, it's not Erev Rosh Hashanah. Those are the usual times that you hear our special guest with us live via telephone or sometimes even in studio here at J.M. in the A.M. So the question is, why is he with us today? The leader of Bris Avram is Rabbi Mordechai Kanelski. Rabbi Kanelski, I guten chaydish to you. I gebenster chaydish. 
Why, if it's not Erev Purim or Erev Pesach, why, if it's not Erev Hanukkah, why, if it's Rosh Chodesh Iyar, is Rabbi Kanelsky with us? The answer is because Rabbi Kanelsky is about to announce on the heels of our because the last time Rabbi Kanelsky was on, remember what he was talking about? He was talking about our very, very successful Chesed campaign. And I can't even begin to tell you how successful it was before Pesach, but everybody out there had a role in it, and I thank you, thank you, thank you. But Rabbi Kanelsky told me this past weekend that he wants to come on and discuss a new campaign that is centered around the mezuzah because the mezuzah is our reminder that the one above is the ultimate protector of the Jewish people. Rabbi Kanelsky, finally I'm going to turn to you for the answer. If it's not Erev Hanukkah and it's not Erev Pesach, why are you with us today on JM and the AM on this Rosh Chodesh ER? We are now in a very special time. We just finished celebrating the holiday of Pesach, our freedom, our birth as an, our nation, and we're now in the midst of preparation for the ultimate great day, the receiving of the Torah. And every single day, we are counting the Omer as we yearning to this great moment of Kabbalah Satera. The Jewish people, when they went out from Egypt, they were so earning because Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, when you will take out the Jewish nation from Egypt, we're all going to serve God on this mountain, Har Sinai, and we all as a nation prepare. And this moment is celebrating a very special date also because it's 3,333 years, 3333 <laughs> from that special moment when we received the Torah on Har Sinai. Wow. <laughs> so what is the, uh, in what way? In what way can people participate in what we'll, in what we'll, in what you have in mind for this campaign? We'll say the campaign, and then we'll say what we could. We could everybody could be a part of this great campaign. Okay. We all need a great protection from God. The mezuzah is the greatest protection of God, and the mezuzah it says, "Adaribeinu is shamer dalfis Israel." God Almighty is God, the guardian of the homes of the Eden. Right. The mezuzah is not just a protector for us when we are inside of the house, but Hashem Ishmor says, God Almighty is protecting us when we are in the house and we are walking out from the house. The mezuzah is a reflection of everything that there is in this house. And when the mezuzah has to be shown not the proper way, it gives a reflection and the health of the people in the house, it gives a reflection how we are outside the house. To get the proper protection of God, we must have the proper mezuzah, a kosher mezuzah, that is at our house. A mezuzah has to be checked because the change of the weather that there is in the house and outside, the wetness, the heat, etc., the lettuce could, could become non, non-kosher. And therefore, it's very crucial and important to check the mezuzah. And we know so many, so many stories. When a person had a mezuzah and he, and he checked it, 
he has certain problems, the mezuzah was checked and changed or fixed, the problems went away. Unfortunately, we went through such a terrible year of distance, of unfortunately so many problems of the COVID. We are looking for different protection. Ha'am Yisroel could be protected, not just in their home, but wherever we are, we need our protection from the Rebbeinu Shoyvon because he is the whole protector, and he is the only protector who protects Am Yisroel. The, the, the mission is now what Brice Abraham is going to watch a campaign to visit 1,800 houses, 1,800 houses, house families, and to make sure that in every single home there is a kosher mezuzah. And you want to do if this between is, now and Shavuos, right? No. Starting now, we'll go to Rosh Hashanah. Oh, to Rosh Hashanah, I'm sorry. It's impossible to do it right. from now to Shavuos. Now to Rosh Hashanah, we, you want to get 1,800 mezuzahs on Jewish homes that right now do not have mezuzahs. Some people would find it hard to believe that there are 1,800 Jewish homes in this area without a mezuzah. You can attest to the fact that we would be shocked just how many Jewish homes don't have a mezuzah. As you mentioned before, that we launched a campaign of chesed before, before, before Pesach. Right. One of the things that we did in a humble way, we sent out volunteers to deliver to the homes of the people because they could not come to a communal seder right. to deliver to them masses, wine, grape juice, gefilte fish, kosher chicken, etc., etc. We went into houses of people that moved, that, that their houses got fixed, the mezuzah got repainted, that you don't see there was ever a mezuzah there. The painter did a wonderful job. He, he made the house, the, the doorpost, so clear, so clean, that never was there a mezuzah. And if it bothered him, he took it off. Right. <laughs> and many, many houses, not many, a lot of many houses, were not without the mezuzah. And that brought in that concept to think, what could we do to make sure that every single home has a mezuzah, and not just one mezuzah, because in truth of the matter, mitzvah, Yerayah's mitzvah, at the our house has Borah Hashem many doors, there is a living room, there is a dining room, there is, there is a, a, a bedroom, we need a mezuzah on every single door. And the campaign is 1,800 homes, 7,700 mezuzahs. It's a big campaign. But with the help of everybody, we could do it. We want to go in to visit every single family and to make sure that they have kosher mezuzahs at their home. At the moment when we visit that family, it's not just the mezuzah. At that moment, we will give out also to encourage that the ladies should light Shabbos candles. The concept of Shabbos candles is so important and so crucial because through that, that a person lights the Shabbos candles, his home becomes uplifted with the spirit of Shabbat. At the same token, we will put film to the people that are there who did not yet put film that day and encourage them to buy film. We will give it at a very, very symbolic price. We are not here to cover the expense. We hope that the community and the listeners of JM and the AM will be partners with us to support this major event. This is a tremendous undertaking financially. A kosher mezuzah costs a lot of money. And to buy 7,700 mezuzahs and to give out to families 
that cannot afford and to give them a, 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 a for a quarter of price of a mezuzah, a third of a price of a mezuzah, they should be, or even 10% of a mezuzah for the kosher price, that they should be able to have minimum one mezuzah, two mezuzahs at their home. I would think that um, when a Jewish home has a mezuzah placed on it, it's not just the extra protection or the protection of the one above for that home. I would think that it would add to the general protection of the Jewish people. Is that too philosophical or is that uh, likely accurate? It is 100%. And I will share with you a story. Last week we commemorated Yom HaShoah. Right. There was a person, there was a person, a Jewish girl who was living in France. And she started to become involved with Chabad. And she was approached that she has to put a mezuzah on her door. She went through a major uh, fight in herself. Yes, to put a mezuzah or not. Her friends at college told her, don't put a mezuzah. Because you're going to put a mezuzah, there is a lot of anti-Semitism there. Right. And they don't know that right. here is living a Jewish, a Jewish girl. Right. But the end, she put the mezuzah. And after she put the mezuzah, passed by a few weeks, and somebody ripped up that mezuzah. And she was very devastated that the mezuzah that she put, and now she doesn't have a mezuzah. She had no money to buy that mezuzah. She was a college student, and she bought the mezuzah with borrowed money that she borrowed, and she put the mezuzah. And now, not just she doesn't have a mezuzah, but everybody knows that was here a mezuzah because there is a sign on the door. Right. Then she was like very torn apart. The next day comes in a, uh, a, a message to her that her delivery that was delivered to her home, a package, due that she was not home, was delivered to somebody else. Right. She went to that person's house and knocked on his door. And he said to her, here is your package. By the way, may I ask, ask you why the mezuzah was at your door for the past few weeks is no more there. And she was wondering to that this person asked that question. She did not think for a second that he's Jewish. Right. And she says, well, it was ripped off from my door. And uh, are you Jewish? He says the following. I'm a Holocaust survivor. And since I survived the Holocaust, when I moved to France, I did not put a mezuzah at my door. I was afraid. One day, the elevator was broken. And when I passed by, to, and I had to go with the steps, and I saw the mezuzah at your door, the magnet of that mezuzah pulled me towards the mezuzah. And since then, for the next few weeks, I did not took the elevator. Every day when I went up to my apartment and I went down from my apartment, I passed by by your home and I stood to the mezuzah, looked on her and remembered my home in Poland. Now I have no, no mezuzah to who to talk. Please put back the mezuzah. <sighs> we don't understand how much that mezuzah changed the life of two families. This Holocaust survivor Jew, that mezuzah, made him to feel back at home. 
He felt that he had to somebody to talk. He was his family. He was everybody. His whole family was wiped up in the Holocaust. He's a sole survivor. But now that mezuzah reminded him. And I would add here, when a person does a mezuzah, the mezuzah is a magnet. The Torah teaches us very powerful. Mitzvah, gereres mitzvah. One mitzvah is pulling a second mitzvah. Through that, that a Jew is putting a mezuzah on his door. He is making sure that another mitzvah is coming to that home. When his wife or his daughter will light Shabbos candles, that will bring him the time when the candles are there. As respect to the candles, he will not watch television. And slowly, slowly, that whole home will become a Shabbos home. We do not even understand the power of a mitzvah. Mitzvah is from the word connection. Every mitzvah that a Jew is doing, he becomes connected to God. 30 years ago, on the 28th day of the month of Nisan, the Lubavitcher Rebbe proclaimed and said that the timing of the redemption came, and we have to just do one thing, to bring the Gula, and each one of us could do it. And now we are proclaiming and saying and asking and pleading that here you have a chance, every single Jew who listens to Nakam Siegel Show, to Jamie the AM, all of my friends, all of you friends, and all of friends of Am Israel. We are all in a tight ship. Call Israel, Arabian Zelazer. If there is a home without a mezuzah, it's like a cabin in a, in a boat with a small hole that we must close that hole because we cannot let water to come into that ship. If we will save one more home, we are protected from all the 70 enemies that are surrounding us, the Shivim, the Avim, the 70 wolves that want to destroy Hasmishov and Israel. The mezuzah is the greatest protection. When you help to buy a mezuzah for another Jew, you are buying for yourself a mezuzah. You are protecting yourself. When you fill up the home with Shabbos candles in somebody's home, you are lighting up not just his home. My home becomes lit up because one more Jew to the greater nation became united and protected. Rob, I, I can't add anything. Uh, just brilliant, brilliant. Reminding this audience, many people who haven't even thought about a mezuzah in God knows how long. It just, thank God, sits there on our on our doorpost and we don't give it a second thought sometimes. Um uh, Rabbi Kanelski, uh, how do people help in this campaign? What do people need to know? Two things. Either if you know a family that doesn't have a mezuzah, please send an email, info at Bristavrohom, and give the name and telephone number of that family. We will bring them a mezuzah. If you, have, if you could volunteer by yourself to go to help, we are working here just in the state of New Jersey. There is close to 10,000 Russian Jewish families who, who are from the former Soviet Union. Who we, our goal is to visit every single family. We'll start with 1,800, but we'll go further. If you want to support a mezuzah, send a check. Breeze Abraham mezuzah campaign. Underline the word mezuzah campaign. The money will go straight to buy mezuzahs. One mezuzah, two mezuzahs, ten mezuzahs, a hundred mezuzahs. Whatever you could afford, but you could be a partner in this great mitzvah. 
not just a supporter, but a partner. Uh, 908-289-0770, 908-289-0770 for uh, Brisavrum. Um, uh, also, as Rabbi Kanelsky recommended, info at brisavrum.org. Info at brisavrum.org. You could certainly give on the website and indicate in the message that um, that it is for the mezuzah campaign. And if you want to send in a check directly, it's Brisavrum, 910 Salem Avenue in Hillside, New Jersey. Just make sure it says mezuzah campaign somewhere on the check. It's 910 Salem Avenue in Hillside, New Jersey, 07205. Let them know about people who don't have a mezuzah. Info at brisavrum.org. And again, use the website to donate, brisavrum.org. Rabbi Kanelsky, I thank you. Continued Hatzlacha, an amazing campaign. I hope it has tremendous, tremendous success. Thank you so much. Nochum, I want to wish you Hatzlacha in everything that you're doing, specifically in spreading Jewishness and identity of Yiddishkeit throughout the globe, especially now that you have it not just on the radio, but I have it on the, on the, on the web, and everybody listens to you, and we wish you and Stacey, Ariches Yom Yom Tevis, Metech and great nachas for the entire family. Amen. Amen. Can't thank you enough for that. Brisavram.org. Make sure to mention it's the mezuzah campaign. Between now and Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Kanelsky has set the bar very, very high. But once this campaign is fulfilled, we'll be able to look back and say the protection of the Jewish people is uh, is greater than it was. Um participate by uh, supporting Brisavram's mezuzah campaign and by letting them know who in the uh, New Jersey area needs a mezuzah on their home. Info at brisavram.org. More coming up tonight, Yom HaZikaron. Tomorrow morning, our Yom HaZikaron Israel Memorial Day special here at JM in the AM.
Israeli Independence Day, the TV stations in Israel screen, the name of every soldier who's fallen for the country. A name flashes on the screen for a second or two, then the next name appears. You go to bed, you get up, the names are still flashing. It takes 24 hours. That's how they observe Memorial Day. Yep, that's how Israel observes Memorial Day is right. Thank you, Leo McGarry. And tomorrow we have our uh, Yom Zikaron Israel Memorial Day special if you will, here at JM in the AM, and uh, I hope you're tuned in. It'll be meaningful, that I can tell you. It will be meaningful. And um, then Yom Mod on Thursday, we get to celebrate together Israel's 73rd birthday. What's better than that? Not much. Acheinu b'Yisrael anachni mimachem. Uh, when you think of the generations who never could celebrate Israel's anniversary, I'll tell you. Uh, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up another amazing edition of JM in the AM. Tomorrow, Israel Memorial Day. Make sure you are tuned in between 6 and 9 for our uh, Wednesday morning special. Today's day 16 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Have a wonderful Tuesday, a great Rosh Chodesh, and we'll speak to you tomorrow on our Yom HaZikaron Israel Memorial Day special. Till then, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. Yeah.